MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. Today, Attorney General Merrick Garland has announced a probe into the Minneapolis Police Department. Derek Chauvin is in a restricted housing unit in prison, separate from the general population. A Missouri House member faces expulsion after an investigation finds he physically and sexually abused his children. The Senate has confirmed Vanita Gupta as the Associate Attorney General. Foxconn abandons its Wisconsin factory touted by the former guy. And Florida's transgender sports ban is headed for defeat. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. What a roller coaster of headlines today, I have to say. Um, so much. There's so much happened. There is. 24 hours. There's so much good news and there's so much chilling, frightening news um, that we have to cover. Uh, first of all, Vanita Gupta, 51 to 49, with no tiebreaker needed as Republican Lisa Murkowski votes to confirm her as associate attorney general. She's the first woman of color to hold the number three position at the Department of Justice. Yay. Um, speaking Department of Justice, they're back in business, Frank Figlusi tweets, because it's launching a probe into the Minneapolis Police Department. And I'll be speaking with Adam Klasfeld from Law and Crime and the host of the Objections podcast later in the show about that, as well as the likelihood of a successful appeal to the conviction of Derek Chauvin. It's not likely. And uh, some good news. We hit 200 million doses today on Biden's 92nd day in office. So... So good. Yeah. Such good news on so many accounts. Yeah. Just over a quarter of Americans are now fully vaccinated. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy in in the Republican Party uh, because the former guy decided to make science political. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's that's where we're at. And, uh, you know, the original goal was 100 million doses in arms in the first 100 days. And everyone was like, not even possible. And then we surpass that and and change the goal to 200 and we've we beat that by eight days so he's so far ahead of the game it's great uh all right we do have a lot of news to get to so why don't we do that let's hit the hot notes hot notes all right lead story yesterday i tweeted that derek chauvin was going directly to prison Got a lot of pushback saying, no, he was going to jail and then he'll be sentenced to prison. But today we learned he indeed went to prison. The Oak Park Heights Correctional Facility, to be exact. It sounds lovely, right? It's not. Oak Parks. Yes. (laughs) Oak Parks. Hmm. Centrally located. No kids cutting across the lawn. Uh, It's located approximately 25 miles east of downtown Minneapolis. This is the correctional facility. It's a level five maximum security state prison, the highest custody level in the Minnesota Department of Correction system for male inmates. The facility can house up to 473 inmates, and uh, since it was first opened in 1982, it has recorded one homicide and no escapes, making it one of the safest and most secure prisons in the country. The prison sits on a 160-acre site and features a large courtyard, a baseball field in the center of it. Each cell measures uh, 7 by 10 and contains a bed and a table along with a toilet and a sink. The latter two are made out of steel to prevent them from potentially being broken out and used as a tool to escape or as weapons. The facility featured uh, was featured in a TV documentary as part of Discovery Channel's On the Inside TV series and was the focus of one of the episodes of National Geographic's channel's America's Hardest Prison series. Um, Chauvin is being housed separately from Gen Pop. Quote, he's on administrative segregation status for his safety and is in the administrative control unit at Oak Park Heights. The ACU is the state's most secure unit. That's according to a guy named Fitzgerald who spoke to CNN via email. Quote, administrative segregation is used when someone's presence in the general population is a safety concern. And I don't mean if they mean safety concern for the general population or safety concern for the inmate. I would say safety concern for the inmate, seeing that this time it's a police officer and that does not necessarily uh, go over well in prison, as you can imagine. So I imagine it's for his safety. The other thing I really wanted them to watch, and this is just my opinion, AG, is there's, I think, eight weeks before sentencing. I would like them to watch this guy because I would not be surprised, and I'm not saying I want this, that someone like him wouldn't try and take his own life instead of going to prison for the next however long it would. So mm-hmm. I want him to have to pay for what he did is basically what I'm saying. And I'm not normally a vindictive person, um, but I just, 
I don't want to get off that easy. No, right. And he is facing anywhere from 12 and a half years, which is the low end of the sentencing guidelines, to max 40, mm-hmm. 40 years. And uh, the prosecution is going to be filing for aggravating factors, uh, including he did this in front of children. Um, I mean, there's just so many potential aggravating factors, and we'll see the filing and share it with everybody when it comes out. Sounds good. Thank you. Now, speaking of children, I just want to warn our listeners, um, this next story is, it's it's horrific, is is the only word that I can come to mind. There's some content uh, in this next story that involves a Republican Missouri legislator. So please, if you are listening, take heed. There are extremely disturbing details in this reporting from the Washington Post. So 1990, Rick Rober's nine-year-old daughter was tucked in wearing a long Simpsons t-shirt when he allegedly picked her up, took her to the living room, laid her on his bare chest, and placed her hand on his genitals. The now-adult woman told lawmakers earlier this year in testimony against Rober, 65, now a Republican member of the Missouri House. This is a quote, I didn't know what to do. I just froze there. I was nine, she said in her testimony before the Missouri House Ethics Committee. Nine years old, this is her father. The incident was one of several disturbing stories recounted to the committee by Rover's ex-wife and three of his four children, three of his four children who accused the freshman lawmaker of terrorizing them while on alcohol offenders and regularly whipping his children with a belt. His ex-wife also said that he once drowned several puppies in a pond. I hope the son of a bitch rots in prison for the rest of his life. On Monday, the bipartisan committee unanimously recommended Rover's expulsion. The House will vote later this week on the measure, which would require a two-thirds majority. If this does not go through, there is something seriously wrong with the people in uh, Missouri's House. I I will say that for, for one. In this testimony before the committee, Robert denied the sexual and physical abuse and said he did not recall whether he used a belt on his children. According to the report, he also blamed his former wife for breaking up the family and claimed her bitterness had spilled over to the children. Rover was combative, defensive, defiant, and at times angry during his hearing, and that's according to the report. At one point, he said, all my kids are Democrats. And therefore involved in, quote, a political hit against him because Democrats would accuse their fathers of this kind of abuse. In the Missouri House votes to if the Missouri House votes to expel Rover, he will be just the second member ever forced out. And this, according to the Star, in 1865 was the last time a member was expelled for being disloyal to the union during a civil war. I really hope they do the right thing with this. And I hope this, I'm so, this story, harm against children and animals, and I think that's for most of us listening, will make me see red. Yeah, and I, um, the story didn't really mention any statutes of limitations on on these kinds of crimes or, or why criminal charges were never brought. Um, so I don't know if it's a live case or not. Uh, but uh, once I find out, I'll keep everyone posted. Please do. Please do. Thanks for that. That's a hard story to get through, Dana. I appreciate your reporting. Indeed. God. Uh, Next up, Taiwan electronics manufacturer Foxconn. Remember these guys? They are uh, drastically scaling back a planned $10 billion factory in Wisconsin, confirming its retreat from a project that the former guy once called the eighth wonder of the world. Under a deal with the state of Wisconsin announced Tuesday, Foxconn will reduce its planned investment of $672 million from $10 billion and cut the number of new jobs from 13000 to 1450 The Foxconn-Wisconsin deal was first announced to great fanfare from the White House in July of 2017, with the former guy boasting of it as an example of how his America First agenda could revive U.S. tech manufacturing. Foxconn, the world's largest contract manufacturer of electronic devices, proposed a 20 million square foot manufacturing campus in Wisconsin that would have been the largest investment in U.S. history for a new location by a foreign-based company. Foxconn is looking to perhaps move this to Mexico now, and shares uh, in the company, Han Hai, fell as much as 1.6% Wednesday morning. Uh, Everything Trump touches dies, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Well, I get to end on a fairly good note, which makes me happy today. The Republican-controlled Florida Senate appears to be abandoning a controversial transgender sports ban and development that would hand LGBTQ activists and Democrats a huge victory. I I hate that they they, want to say this, that this is 
I, I really do hope there's some people on the other side of the aisle that believe in trans rights, but I know it's few and far between, AJ. So the bill, which specifies that K-12 and college sports teams must be designated based on, quote, biological sex while charging state agencies with crafting policies to hash out gender disputes, was condemned by the LGBTQ community and lawmakers who viewed that the measure as discriminatory toward transgender students. Indeed. The issue was magnified last week when the NCAA put states like Florida on notice just before the Florida House voted for the measure, warning that locations that don't treat all student athletes with dignity and respect could be ineligible to host future championship games. We saw this. We saw this with the bathroom bills in North Carolina. They do take action here. A top Senate panel on Tuesday put off considering the ban, a move that signals the upper chamber is reluctant to move forward with the bill. The proposal sponsor powerful Senate budget chief Kelly Stargell said her attention would be on finishing the state budget with less than two weeks left in session. So she has sort of pivoted over to the budget. The Senate's transgender proposal broke from the House version by allowing athletes who declare as female to participate in sports if their testosterone levels are below a certain mark. Although Stargell filed an amendment, that would have brought the bills closer in line. The House's version allowed for medical professionals to verify students' sex if gender disputes arise. This is still horrifyingly damaging to trans athletes. I don't know if people understand this. It's also very scary for even, I would, masculine girls. Listen, I was a tomboy my entire life and I had short hair. When I was in high school, AG, everyone thought I was a boy for a year. I was on the drumline of the marching band. I played soccer. And there's a few parents that I think thought I was a boy. I would be subject to this sort of thing as well. It's it's horrifying for students. And so I'm glad that they're starting to pivot away from this. But there are, and I'm not exaggerating, 64 bills trying to keep transgender athletes from competing in 30 different states right now. Active bills. Yeah, I just... I. I don't understand it. I just I simply can't wrap my head around anyone who doesn't think that transgender girls are girls and transgender women are women. I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. Yeah. And honestly, that's the biggest thing, because if you can accept that, this whole argument goes moot. It just does. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I can't imagine anyone asking me to check my genitals before I went on the soccer field. I did see a meme the other day. And did I think you sent did you send it to me? Oh. Um I think you might have Yeah, the flow chart. Said, yeah, it said is your child playing a sport? <laughs> your child playing a sport. What did you say? What does it say? Oh, it says uh here, I'll I'll bring it up because it's it's really it's, worth repeating. I can I can grab it quickly. It's too good not to share. Um it says here it is. Should kids' genitals be inspected before playing sports? <clears throat> Is the sport played with the genitals? No. <laughs> no. No genital inspections needed. Is the sport played with the genitals? Yes. Kids should not be playing this sport. <laughs> no genital inspections needed. So the underlying message here is there are no genital inspections needed, period. <laughs> is the sport played with the genitals? I think it's <laughs> I know. And if it is, your kids should not be playing it. Chase Take your kid out of that sport. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, it's this is a even if none of these bills get passed, and even if they get defeated at the Supreme Court level, if they do get passed, the damage that just drafting this legislation does to transgender kids is uh, immense. It is, and this is the, and that, which is what you said. And I know that we need a, our segments going long, but. Every day, mass shooting, mass shooting, mass shooting, mass shooting, mass shooting. And all of a sudden, Republicans are like, we need to keep kids from playing, you know, trans kids from the softball team. This is just a distraction. They do this. And they know that they are champion to their base. They're very bigoted base. We've seen this. We've seen this with religion. This is how the religious right was formed. We've seen this with women's reproductive rights. Um, this is just the new hot topic to use to distract the American people from all of the horrific things that are actually happening. Trans kids playing sports is not one of them. Yeah, we're here to move things forward. Republicans here to roll things back. Indeed. That's that's all they want. All right, uh, everybody, we'll be right back in a moment. I'm going to have a discussion with Adam Klasfeld of Law and Crime. He's also the host of the Objections podcast. And we're going to talk about a couple of things that are going on, particularly the DOJ investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department. And, of course, the likelihood of a successful appeal 
uh, in the Derek Chauvin conviction, and the likelihood is nil. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG with the Daily Beans. Today's episode is brought to you by the most incredible thing I've ever put in my mouth. It's called Magic Spoon Cereal. We're all trying to eat better, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. My new go-to healthy breakfast is Magic Spoon. It's the amazing flavors that you love from childhood, but without all the bad stuff. Magic Spoon amazingly has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, four net grams of carbs in each serving, and it's only 140 calories. Magic Spoon is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free, and... New exciting news, Magic Spoon is relaunching their blueberry flavor, and all of my favorite flavors are now back in stock after being sold out. You can also build your own box, too. Available flavors to build your own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. Magic Spoon is so delicious, you will not believe it's healthy. I like mixing flavors together, too. Cocoa and peanut butter taste delicious together. Magic Spoon tastes exactly like cereal from your childhood, but it's super nutritious. I even like to have it as a high-protein afternoon snack. If you're listening from Canada, Magic Spoon now ships there as well, so go to magicspoon.com dailybeans grab some blueberry or a custom bundle of cereal to try today and be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout to save five dollars off your order this offer is now good anywhere in the u.s or canada it's amazing it's backed with a 100 happiness guarantee so if you don't love it for any reason they'll refund your money all of it no questions asked but you will love it remember get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com dailybeans and use code dailybeans to save five dollars off thanks magic spoon for sponsoring this episode Everybody, welcome back. I am joined today by, uh, he's from lawandcrime.com. If you haven't been there, you should check that out. Definitely follow him on Twitter. It's where I get all my court updates. And he's the host of the Objections podcast. Please welcome Adam Klasfeld. Adam, hey. Hey, thank you for having me again. It is great to speak to you. And the reason I wanted to talk to you today, you are, first of all, you're just a pillar of information. (laughs) Uh, But specifically about the comments made by Maxine Waters, Representative Maxine Waters, and Joe Biden before the verdict came out and how that um, was brought up at the end of after closing arguments um, during the verdict, you know, after they get the jury out of the room and they say, well, you know, I've got eight motions to try to get a mistrial here, right. which is pretty common absolutely, in these cases, as are appeals. I, I, I that is imminent. Um and I was wondering if you could talk, because I've been defending what Maxine Waters said, and it seemed like the judge had some things to defend it as well, but also had his own personal opinion about it. Mm. Um, and I was wondering what you could tell us about this imminent appeal and these comments made by public figures. Right. So anytime, as you said, these motions for mistrial, uh, particularly in high profile proceedings, are very common. And the the upshot of what happened was Eric Nelson, Derek Chauvin's attorney, tried and failed to get a mistrial declared after uh, Representative Maxine Waters made her comment, which has been, you know, she says that it's been taken out of context where she was essentially being asked what will happen. This was before the verdict, after closing arguments. And uh She was asked, uh, essentially, uh, what protesters should do, uh, and she said, get confrontational. Now, there was some uh, confusion. Was she saying, did she understand that to be get confrontational if Chauvin's acquitted? Again, she says that she's taken out of context. Um, But the upshot of it was the presiding judge, uh, Judge Cahill, was upset with the comments uh, in so far that it sounded like a public figure was opining on uh, the jury should find the defendant guilty, that it was, in his words, a co-equal branch of government offering an opinion on an active case, which can backfire. Um, But he did not think that it was something that would uh, merit a mistrial. He said that you could raise this issue on appeal. Um, I think from the experts who I was talking to, uh, they've been saying that uh, don't take too much stock in it. That's sort of the thing that judges say uh, that when that you might have an issue on appeal on that, they, they're basically saying uh, it's not an issue that will affect you know, my uh, ruling at the trial court level and the kind of standard that they would need to reach for it to unsettle the whole thing uh, just isn't going to happen. 
that's, uh, you know, I've spoken to a former federal prosecutor, longtime uh, former federal prosecutor about that, uh, and a, a defense attorney. Uh, it's just n- usually not a winning motion because the standard is so high. Right. And I mean, we had how many uh, trials going on that uh, the former guy publicly commented on uh, quite loudly, uh, even including some of the antitrust deals that were happening at the time with AT&T and Viacom and things like that uh, and and civil suits and and legal battles. I mean, there was quite a bit of of outspoken and <laughs> going on. I mean, just to give a couple of examples of that, uh, during President Trump's administration, there was the uh, terror attack in New York City, uh, where there was a truck driver who was uh, intentionally uh, swerved his car uh, to the, onto the West Side Highway for ISIS, and, and uh, you know, openly uh, uh, admitted to that, uh, according to prosecutors, and. It was a very big terrorist attack. And when uh, and President Trump's comments after him being charged was he should get the death penalty. Not only did that not it, that was an all caps tweet Trump style uh, comment. And not only did that not derail the trial or set up an appeal, it the defense uh, tried to get the death penalty taken off the table. It didn't happen. That's the case of Saifalo Saipov. Um, even and going even back before Trump, there during the Obama administration, there was the trial of Chelsea Manning in the WikiLeaks case. Uh, Chelsea Manning's defense tried to put forward a motion for unlawful command influence because that's a court martial. You have the commander in chief uh, making a comment about guilt. Uh, that motion also failed. So what we have is a long bipartisan tradition of uh, elected officials making comments that uh, intrude on high-profile criminal cases, judges getting upset, but ultimately it doesn't really move the needle. Um, And in the case of Trump, it's a little bit more strident and in all caps. And (laughs) uh, in the case of Saipov, uh, openly angling for execution. That did not. And one of the ironies of this, one of the people who was giving uh, President Biden uh, grief about it was Jenna Ellis, Trump's senior advisor, in a tweet saying R.I.P. due process. Now, I don't remember her her calling about a due process during this terrorism case uh, when her boss was openly calling for an execution in advance of trial. Um, The comments by Biden were a lot more subdued, to put it mildly. He he basically said uh, something along the lines of the verdict, uh, you know, that the evidence was overwhelming. I hope they reached the right verdict. He didn't say what the verdict would be, but everyone kind you know, he was speaking about in the context of his uh, empathy with the Floyd family. Um, it's not the type of comment that legal experts uh, believe is helpful in <laughs> setting a particular tone. But uh, when in the kind of scope of history, these things, these comments are made perpetually during high profile trial. It always uh, is not welcomed by judges and legal experts. And it never disturbs the or very, very rarely disturbs the final result. Yeah. And I mean, we also have comments a lot by uh, public figures uh, during investigations, not just trials. Uh, I'm reminded of Mike Sherwin on 60 Minutes uh, <laughs> going up and, and, and talking about uh, the, the, the potential seditious conspiracy charges that were there were looking at for the insurrectionists. And, and that has not derailed that investigation either. And I. I think the prosecution, when they rebutted the motion for mistrial uh, by Eric Nelson, did a really good job of breaking down sort of uh, at a kind of a top level what would be required for this to be successful on appeal and and said, you know, this kind of muddy, vague stuff like there were a couple TV shows. You didn't say what TV shows. You didn't say what they said. We don't even know if this jury saw any of that. The judge said multiple times, I told the jury not to watch the news uh, because 
um, Eric Nelson was saying that he had requested sequestration earlier, right? And 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 that was not granted. Um, but other things too, you know, the prosecution saying, look, you have to have very specific evidence about how this could have influenced any specific juror. Uh, at, at, we don't even know if they've seen it. So these kind of vague, ambiguous tactics to, to this is why the mistrial should be denied. The motion for mistrial should be denied. And the judge was like, yep, yep, denied. So he broke it down pretty well. Uh, Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I mean, beyond having to establish that the jury saw it, beyond having to establish that it it affected them in some way, beyond that, they would have to essentially, uh, you know, find information that, you know, there was a moment when president biden had after he said that he said the jury is sequestered uh now um we would have to know that somehow during their sequestration they found out about this information anyway um and it you know establishing that is difficult it's very difficult to it's for that to uh surface on appeal particularly because the jury is presumed on appeal to have followed the judge's instructions. And the judge has been instructing them throughout the case, don't pay attention to the news, don't pay attention uh, to any uh, commentary on the case. So it's, it's something that the defense is expected to say they're going to be expected to appeal. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they mention both Maxine Waters' comments and President Biden's comments. But if you just look at how these things play out, I wouldn't expect that to change the result at all. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more about the instructions, the judge's instructions to the jury. But I do have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Thank you. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the beans. Month of April means April showers, April taxes, but not this year. They got pushed back. April fools, all kinds of things for April. And now to add to April, you can balance out doing something positive with protecting your loved ones and saving money with life insurance through Policy Genius. Policy Genius can help you compare top insurers all in one place. It's so easy. And you can save 50% or more on life insurance. Getting started is easy. Just head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes to find your best price. It's very, very user-friendly. Since their licensed agents work for you and not the insurance company, there's no hassle. There's no pressure. The Policy Genius team will answer any questions you have along the way. Their services have earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. And the benefits of Policy Genius, the comparison tool, handling of paperwork, they do all the heavy lifting, unbiased advice, no sales pressure. It's all totally free. Policy Genius can promise you won't leave their website feeling like a fool. You could save 50% or more by comparing life insurance quotes and feel good knowing that if something happens, your loved ones will be taken taken care of. So go to policygenius.com to get started. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Everybody, we're welcome back. We're talking to Adam Klasfeld from Law and Crime, host of the Objections podcast. You really need to check it out. It's a really well done show. Uh, I was we were talking briefly about the judge's instructions to the jury. And I was wondering, um, given just the general instructions on how to reach a verdict, do you think that the speed with which they uh, reached a verdict could play against any appeal as well. Because, I, I mean, I one would have to sort of imagine, using common sense, that with a f- less than 10-hour deliberation, it it wasn't any public comments that impacted their decision. I, they seem to have, I mean, that's a really, they came back very fast. We recorded our cleanup on aisle 45 show Monday after closing arguments. And we're like, all right, we got a few days to, you know, to, to release this show. No, the next day they came back. And it seems to me that that sort of goes against the idea that any public comments swayed any of these jurors. Right. I mean, they'll probably be lodging their appeal on multiple grounds. They've been saying that uh, the media coverage that it was, Uh, never a possibility that they could get a fair trial, particularly in Minneapolis. These are some of the arguments that they're going to be making. And the speed of it um, might show that, you know, they were sequestered for and reached a verdict within 7.5 hours, I believe the the official time was. And as you say, that, you know, they're during that time, did they 
get any word about what was being spoken about about the case from the outside world, that's a very narrow period of time. Um, The defense might try to turn it around, but as saying, well, it goes to show that uh, he could not have been tried by a jury of his peers in this jurisdiction, they might throw any number of arguments. But just the fact of the matter is, most legal experts uh, who I've spoken to and who I've uh, even seen commenting on it widely it's there have been high pro- profile cases, uh, many of them <laughs> throughout U.S. history, and people manage to get a fair trial through the Dwadir process. And the arguments that he are that uh, Eric Nelson is putting forward, uh, none of them strike me as out of the ordinary, and all of them strike legal experts who I've spoken to as huge long shots. Yeah, and I wouldn't even be surprised to see the speed with which they reached a verdict in the arguments for a motion for mistrial. Like, uh, oh, well, it was clear they all had their minds made up or uh, they didn't they didn't possibly have enough time to review all of the uh, chocolate chip cookie ingredients, uh, so to speak. Uh, Or, you know, I I imagine that that argument's going to come up in in the appeal. That's going to probably anger quite a few people. Right. I mean, it could probably be used both ways, right? The speed in which they reached a verdict. But we can, this also has to be looked at in the context of what was the prosecution's closing pitch? Believe your eyes. And what you had was this incredibly damning video of nine minutes and 29 seconds of uh, George Floyd's life ending under Derek Chauvin's knees. And, you know, whatever the outside world is talking about, uh, I I think that the speed with which the jury reached a verdict is a function of the that powerful and awful video, the fact that the uh, the strength of the testimony given by the prosecution's experts and how the alternative theories were uh, essentially uh, ruled out by the prosecution's experts, and that at the end of the day, what the government had to prove in order for the jury to reach that verdict, they didn't need to prove that uh, that Derek Chauvin had intended to kill George Floyd. They didn't need to prove that he uh, that. He even needed that he wanted to harm George Floyd. They needed to prove that he caused Floyd's death through an illegal act. And that burden on the strength of that evidence is where you get a 7.5 hour deliberation. Yeah. And the prosecution did a really great job of breaking down each element of each crime and each charge and checking each box. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Uh, I walked them right through it. And I thought that that was a pretty powerful presentation. Um I also wanted to ask you now, Merrick Garland has announced that the Department of Justice will be investigating the Minneapolis Police Department. What can you tell us about that particular probe and what that entails? So uh, Merrick Garland announced it this morning, and it's going to be very broad in scope. It's going to essentially be what is called a pattern or practice investigation, looking at whether the Minneapolis, Minneapolis Police Department has a pattern or practice of discriminatory policing. They'll look into how they're using force against protesters or other people who's uh, involved in First Amendment protected activities. Uh, They're going to be looking at use of force against folks with behavioral disabilities. They're going to be looking at the internal policies of the department. They're going to be looking into their internal controls and how those have been functioning. So this is a pretty expansive investigation, and it is running concurrently with a criminal investigation, which has been ongoing since the Bill Barr era. Um, We have to remember there was this explosive uh, story in The New York Times essentially saying that Bill Barr uh, refused to reach a plea deal with Derek Chauvin, thinking that the evidence was devastating against him. So that criminal investigation is still open. This pattern or practice investigation is now open. Uh, Reportedly, uh, the department has said that it welcomes it. Uh, 
these types of investigations can lead to consent decrees. They sort of started in the wake the Congress uh, passed the statute that led to these sorts of investigations in the wake of the Rodney King riots. About three years after uh, the Rodney King video uh, came out, uh, Congress passed this statute in order to empower the Justice Department to oversee uh, local police departments with these investigations. And there have been dozens of them in the intervening decades. Uh, They slowed to a crawl under the Trump administration. Uh, But they are. This is a sign that uh, Merrick Garland's Justice Department is going to restore that tradition. And it looks like this is uh, sometimes it will end in court ordered consent decrees. But if uh, particularly if the the Minneapolis Police Department is saying that they're welcoming it, perhaps they'll reach an agreement which can streamline the process where it can end with reform a little bit earlier. Uh, so it's an expansive investigation and look for two tracks of this Justice Department investigation to be continuing at the same time. Yeah, I do remember some consent degrees reached in during the Obama administration. Biden has experience with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. There were uh, more than a dozen, I, I believe. Uh, even there was a, a Justice Department report outlining the use of these pattern or practice investigations and the success that a lot of uh, departments have had with it. There, you know, one of the criticisms during the Trump department, you had this specter of, oh, police will just think the Justice Department is looking over their shoulder. They're not going to do their, their it, we're going to see a trend of de-policing. The Justice Department's own report said this did not happen. And they were citing academic studies by the Vera Institute, by uh, by a Harvard review. So they essentially <laughs> predicted the arguments uh, of the Trump administration and said those did not hold water. This was a report from uh, 27, uh, from, uh, I, I forget exactly the year, but the waning days of the uh, Obama administration. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your coverage on this. Everybody follow Adam Klassfeld so you can keep up on it and tell people where they can find your podcast. Thank you. Uh, well, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, we're probably there. So it's uh, Objections uh, and I'm the host, Adam Klassfeld of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really, really, it's, it's wonderfully done. It's well produced. Uh, I encourage everybody to check it out. And I appreciate your time today, everybody. Adam Klassfeld. Thank you very much. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, Beans listeners. It's AG. If you're a business owner who's hiring, you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes to finding the right person for the role that you need to fill. You can go from not enough applicants with the right skills or experience to having to sift through mountains of resumes. Yet you have to hire like ASAP. And many times the difficulty is not knowing where to post your job to reach the right people. Hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack because it is. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along. The odds of that are pretty low. This is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. It's no wonder over 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for that needle in the haystack. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. Once again, remember, go to this unique web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S, all one word. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blowed on good news. It's on the way. Hey, everybody. Good news, correction, confession time, time to play games, time to do the things. If you have anything you want to send in to us, Dana or I, me, send in to Dana or me, uh, you can do so at uh, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That's where you send everything. We're playing everything but Monopoly. If you have an idea for a new game, let us know. Hit us up. We'll take care of it. 
So uh, I think I'll kick this one off, Dana. Sound good? Yes, please. All right. Next, uh, first up is from Kathleen. It's a correction. I look forward to listening to the Daily Beans every day. She says, we do have a conviction of a white officer, black victim, and I'm surprised that Jason Van Dyke verdict isn't being brought up more with the context of Chauvin's convictions yesterday. Van Dyke is a former Chicago police officer who's convicted of murdering Laquan McDonald. The murder, subsequent cover-up, and trial were huge and rocked Chicago. It caused Mayor Emanuel not to run for re-election, sparked a Department of Justice investigation, and now CPD is under federal consent decree. Love the pod. It's helped me get through the pandemic. Uh, That cop was found guilty, by the way, of second-degree murder and 16 counts of uh, aggravated battery with a firearm and sentenced uh, sentenced to six years and nine months. Six years and nine months for second-degree murder. Two systems. All right. Well, there we go. Um, Thank you for that, Kathleen. I'm glad that you wrote in with that. All right. This next one's from Andrea. No pronouns given. Nice discussion on the verdict. She says, Chauvin is in prison. He was remanded, as you said, AG. He was remanded into custody um, of the Hennepin County Sheriff and was then transferred to the Department of Corrections. He may have spent a little time at the county jail across the street from the government center. There's a tunnel, but he is now at Oak Park Heights Prison. It's a lovely location on the banks of the St. Croix River, a scenic waterway. Your podcast cracks me up. I was overwhelmed with news and started just watching hockey instead, but I'm back at it now. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching hockey. You remember for briefly, like in the 90s, when they tried to make hockey more palatable to the American audience. And so they put a little yellow highlight mark at like on the puck so people could see where the puck was going. And then follow it. Yeah. And we're like cats with a a, like a (laughs) laser. laser. Yeah. And then like and then like after a week, everyone was like, fuck off with that shit. And they took they took it, uh, took it off. That was just weird. Every time I asked someone, how was the hockey game? Their response was, "Ooh, there was two fights. It was really good. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) The old quote, I I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Exactly. Uh, Next up from anonymous pronouns, he and him. Hello, Beans Queens. Just wanted to share some quick good news. Not long after the three guilty counts were announced, I could hear fireworks from some of my neighbors celebrating nearby. I imagine this was much needed for so many here in Kenosha Racine, uh, the Kenosha Racine area, given that the officer who shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back returned to duty with no punishment last week. Here's hoping that with uh, Chauvin being held accountable, we can begin to see justice in this nation, uh, where, as Merrick Garland put it, that like crimes are treated like. Yes. Thanks for all you do. This podcast is truly helpful to both being informed and staying mentally healthy. Thank you very much, Anonymous. Yeah, it's it's again, this is a beginning, right? Um, It's not justice. That's a a process that we all have to contribute to. But it's accountability. But yeah. Definitely. And that's what I, I, someone said so perfectly. This isn't justice. It's accountability. Justice would be George Floyd still being alive. hundred percent. So this next one's from Peter pronouns he and him. Dear beans, Queens. My good news is that I received my first AstraZeneca shot on Thursday. Friday morning was a little rough with headaches and low grade fever, but all that cleared up by mid afternoon on Friday. Unfortunately, the province of Ontario here in Canada is going through a third wave of COVID and we are in severe lockdown for the next few weeks. Ugh actually heard that. Yeah. Pa- uh, my pet tax, like AG, I have a double sink in my bathroom and being single, I use the sink on the left and my cat Juno uses the sink <laughs> on the right. She loves to sit in the sink and I swear she thinks she thinks, I swear she thinks she thinks she's a WW2GI hunkering down in a foxhole during the Battle of the Bulge. She arrived at my house back in 2017 and never really left. I named her Juno, but I have the feeling she would prefer the name PJ, what do you think? <laughs> look at, oh, look at that. That that's that looks like the top of the suitcase. That is so much cat hair. Is yeah, that looks like that's where she spends a lot of time. But yeah, look, you can see in her fur, PJ written in her fur. Oh, that is interesting. Oh my goodness. Yeah, right. <gasps> I kind of love that. And any on this, love the show. I just added the daily beans and clean up on aisle 45 to my Patreon account. Yay. Thank you. Wonderful. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. And yeah, my cats have a spot. Uh, I have this ice bat uh, that I got from Comic-Con that uh, the big man loves to sleep on. And it pretty much looks like this. I have to wash it like every month or it's ridiculous. I'm allergic to cat dander. So that picture makes me want to sneeze and wheeze. <laughs> Just sneezing and wheezing. That's it. <laughs> Ah, no, thanks for the submission. I appreciate it. And congrats on your AstraZeneca. Uh, That's super great. Um, 
Yeah, up there in uh, where where were they? Ontario, right? Yeah, there's that third wave of COVID. It's yeah. Scary. Stay safe. Next up from anonymous pronouns they them. A rare misheard lyric share a swear crossover. Ooh. In high school, I purchased the new Rage Against the Machine album, Renegades. The title track uh, is a cover of Renegades of Funk by Africa Bombada. While listening to it, my mom burst into the room very offended. She thought he was saying, we're the renegades of fuck, over and over, and she was very anti-profanity. Over the last five years, the flaming garbage can that was the previous administration has successfully broken her down and brought her to the dark side of language to the point where she nonchalantly dropped an F-bomb over the phone the other day. It's so nice to know she's become a renegade of fuck. (laughs) When I hear my mom curse, like the little, my inside child giggles every time. It makes me very happy when my mom says fuck. That little person means like... (laughs) Sometimes she'll just be like, and it's so exasperated too. I'll just be like, hey mom, how's it going? She's like, fuck Allie. Like, (laughs) it's just so funny. (laughs) I get a lot of profanity while we're having 500 rummy tournaments. Like if I beat her, Mm. she's like, you're a horrible fucking child. And I'm like, wow, Barbara. Goodness, okay. This next one, this next one's from Laurel, pronoun she and her. This is also misheard lyrics. When my son was little, like four, with the Sean Kingston song, Shotties Like a Melody, would come on. He would always sing Shotties Like a, mel- a Millipede in my head. <laughs> You'd got to know the tune to that. And I picture a millipede crawling around someone's brain. <laughs> There's a local artist named Kimmy. Um, actually, it's Kim Ia. And she has a song that goes, You make me say, Ooh. And he would say, you make me say moo. <laughs> oh, I remember. I would crack right? up thinking of two lovers and one of them saying moo. Well, it's been the throes <laughs> of passion. Thanks for all you do. Been around since the kitchen table days. Thanks, Laurel. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know the Kimmy A song, but I, I do know. <laughs> I do know the like a melody. That's really wonderful. Like a millipede in my head. Gross. Reminds me of Wrath of Khan, right? When he puts the creatures in their ears. Mm. Oh. <sighs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it freaked me out when I was a kid, too. I had nightmares. Uh, next up from Allison Pronoun She and Her. Thank you, ladies, for all you do every day. The Daily Beans is how I start my morning every weekday, and you start me off right. I have a misheard lyric for you. One of my friends, when he was a wee, innocent, prepubescent lad, not thinking about all things sexy, heard Porsche Lamborghini instead of pour some sugar on me. Oh, <laughs> Porsche Lamborghini. When you need good cars. Mm-mm. Yeah. Every time I hear the song, it makes me giggle. Personally, I also think they're better lyrics because let's be honest, sugar is sticky and I don't want it on me. <laughs> <laughs> It's hot, sticky, sweet from your head down to your feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My pod pet tax, a picture of my COVID standard poodle puppy, Luna. No mistaking her breed and my daughter. Have a great day. Oh, my Ooh. goodness. <gasps> Luna's cute. Oh, both precious. I love the markings. No, it's a standard poodle. But don't you think that maybe there's another mix in there? Like some that stripper? Yeah, I know, right? Luna's beautiful, mm. though. Thank you for that gorgeous picture. Of the pup and the baby. Yeah. What What do you think? She's like eight, maybe? Yeah. Cuteness. Pure cuteness. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for sending all of these in. Seriously, they make my day. Especially after some of the news we have to read. And uh, I, you know, I almost left that story out, Dana. But I was like, no, nah, I got to get it out. No. I get it out. And it shines light. One, it, it gives, you know, value to the victims. And it gives them a voice that they may not have otherwise. And, you know, I, I want this son of a bitch out of the house. I mean literally and figuratively like the house in Missouri and his house. I hope he's no longer in, in anyone's presence at this point. And I hope the statute of limitations have not expired. I'm thinking federally, there isn't a statute of limitations on that kind of thing. So hopefully they're still pursuing justice, but we'll keep everybody posted. Just absolutely gross. And so I really appreciate the the good news, the palate cleansers, the pod pet picks. You're this adorable child. Oh my gosh. Maybe. She's so cute. Uh, it's, it's important. It's important for all of us to, to have that, I think it, it is for me. It really helps. So I appreciate you sending it in. If you have any that you want to contribute, corrections, confessions, games you want to play, pod pet picks, whatever you got, send them us. Send them to us at uh, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And uh, that's it. That's the shoe for today. Any uh, final, any last words, Dana? No, let him let him go. Although we've got um, we have our jeez. Uh, uh, Stereo, Stereo Live tonight. So make sure you join us at 5 p.m. Yeah, head to stereo.com slash Allison Gill. Sign up. Follow me at Allison Gill. Follow Dana at DG Comedy. 
and you can be notified whenever we pop up on the app and have discussions. It's I love it. It's hilarious. It's fun. I like to have a cocktail and and hear what you all have to say. And we have, by the way, an like an official in-house limericist that is just brilliant, by the way. And I'm true. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it every time. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. That's it. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans After Party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Oh my God, AG, I, so I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog died dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, the rain. Like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from they might be giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? What, was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my god! The best I, can I, lo- I love them. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's a sung bird from house the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.